most wonderful show is Keeping Up With The Joneses. AJ Jones. Yes, sir. How the heck are you? Good. You look magnificent. Change. Should we talk about your hair? Let's talk about my hair. I went and got my hair done. And getting, getting ready. How long does it take to get your hair done? About three hours. And what is it they do that takes three hours? All kinds of stuff that I don't know. I have a lot of hair. I have a lot of hair and because they put highlights throughout it, it takes an enormous amount of time to do that. Well, it looks very pretty. Thank you. I'm very happy with it. You're getting ready to do a conference with Patricia King. I am. I yes. saw somebody on Instagram say that they're going to go to it. They found <gasps> out about it via your podcast. Which oh, I really? Was, yeah. Oh, cool. Very sweet. Oh, cool. So you're busy preparing your head for that. Let's think about our week. I finished my series on blessing. You did. And left a bunch of people with some challenges. If you haven't listened to the last three weeks at Emony, I would encourage you to do it just because it challenged me to prepare it and I think it would challenge you. And I would honestly love the feedback. I would I would greatly appreciate the feedback. I think some people have been too scared to give me feedback on it. Or I, I, I had some great discussions at the school with the students about it and solicited their feedback. But cool. yeah, reach out to me on social media. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Perfect. We were teaching this week at the school on... How to prepare a message. Yes, how to prepare a message. Why would we teach our students how to prepare a message? Because when they go on outreach, they are all going to preach, some of them for the very first time in their whole lives. And before they go on outreach, actually next week, they're going to be teaching us. Yes. No big deal, right? <laughs> no, I think it's amazing. I, it's super fun. I'm always astonished at the quality of the teaching our students deliver. Mm-hmm. They're always great. It's wonderful listening to them teach. Yeah. But we basically teach them the ins and outs of how to put a message together, how to deliver a message, what are the different components, like just sort of give them scaffolding and framework and um, yeah. And then we teach them how to use Keynote, which is a piece of software that Apple makes, very similar to PowerPoint, but superior in in every way. And for the first year, I I had this epiphany because... In previous years, I've taught students how to use it on a Mac. Mm-hmm. And this year, I we split up. You taught them how to use it on a Mac. I taught them how to use it on an iPhone or on an iPad. And my iOS class, the iPhone, iPad, I was astonished at their ability. It didn't feel like there was any learning curve. Everybody could do everything that I was showing them. Everybody stayed up to speed. And I was like, this, this really is the future of computing. I was very impressed with myself having to teach Keynote when normally you teach it. Yeah, but you use Keynote just as much as I do. I do, but I don't try and teach it, and I'm definitely not as proficient as you are. I have to really think about what I need to do, but I think the advantage of that was I had to slow down and, you know, work through it at the pace that I work through it, so I think it was easy to follow, But I I hope. (laughs) I think I know how competent I am at Keynote because... I'm a competent computer user, so I know my limits and I know where I am on the scale. I think that you incorrectly assess where you are on the scale. I think you think you're an incompetent keynote user, but I would say you are way more competent than you think you are. Oh, thanks, babe. I think you're completely skilled. Thanks. I like it. I like the program. I think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then you went and got your hair done, which was the highlight of the week. Yep. No pun intended. No, dear. Actually, the highlight of the week... Is Ben and Sarah arriving? Yeah, our good friends from Toronto, Ben and Sarah Jackson, arrived when? Saturday? What are we Saturday today? Saturday morning, yeah. 
they're here all week. We're going to try and get them on the podcast this week, and because we have such great conversations with them that I wish we were recording, but apparently it's illegal without consent. So we'll, I've heard that somewhere. We'll, we'll try and record them legitimately. Uh, do, are you aware it was snowing today in Nashville? I saw a little bit of snow when I ran out of the service to use the facilities. But alas, it did not stick. At some point, I was I was home during the second service with the kids, and when I looked out the window, I was astonished to see the flurry, the the blizzard that was happening. Blizzard? And, yeah, but wow. n- none of it stuck. Wow. And MG was seriously disappointed. That's very sad. All right, well, I hope everybody's doing super well. Our topic for this week came out of aforementioned said people, Benjamin and Sarah. <laughs> I'm sure there's Wow, more. there's some big words there. <laughs> I'm sure there's a more elegant way of saying that. Later, Hosen. <laughs> hey, what did you want to say about Lederhosen? Well, there's, there's some word that Ben told us to try and use in the podcast. What was the word? Glockenspiel. Oh, Glock, Glockenspiel. <laughs> how did you end up with Lederhosen? I don't, I don't know. Just how tired are you? I'm so tired right now, and I still have to finish my ring, so I have, I'm have i going to have to run on the spot for like two hours when we're done doing this podcast. Talk about the ring phenomenon. The ring phenomenon. Well, our Apple Watches give us... Uh, three different rings every day. One is for standing at least one minute of every hour, which sounds like that should be the easiest thing in the world to do, but it's actually possible to not get your ring because um, you have to get 12 hours. And anyway. Well, you physically have to stand up from where you're sitting and remain standing and be active for a minute each hour, which sounds ridiculous. But if you're commuting or if you're stuck in traffic or if you're in a meeting where it feels weird to just stand up in the middle of it. And- yes, I know you're bawling, but I need to stand right now and wave my arm about like a freak. <laughs> and then if today there was two hours where I didn't get any stand minutes because I hadn't sat to stand. So it didn't trigger that you were standing. Yeah. It just didn't realize I was standing, even though I had cooking the whole time and like sweeping and stuff. Right. So that's so the annoying. blue ring. That's the blue ring. The green ring is... The green ring is exercise, intentional movement, and you need a minimum of 30 minutes of intentional movement every day. And the red ring? Is active calories. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Well, it's it's you're extra. Adorable. It's extra active calories. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> it feels like there's a lot of extra going on there. It's cal- um, it doesn't for the green and the red rings. My mm-hmm. understanding is it doesn't register those until your heart rate is higher than your resting heart rate. Yes. So you don't just get them for moving around. You actually have to move vigorously in order to get them. Yes. And the unfortunate part about that is my heart, my resting heart rate is quite low. So it takes quite a while for it to even, I mean, give me any sort of credit for anything. <laughs> so so here I am with all of my rings completed for the night. Right. And I have no idea how you have them. And I still need to get about 200 calories. Like I'm going to have to run around my living room like some sort of prancing fool for like an hour and a half before I go to bed to get all my rings. But it's dedication. Well, I have all my rings for every day in January. And we get a special award if we do every day in January. See, it's very exciting. Hashtag close those rings. <laughs> so right. we need to, we need to wrap this up. Okay, longevity. It's a good thing. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> okay. Back Sorry. to our main topic. Right. Romania. No. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> Romania? What are you on? 
All right. Okay. Let me try and talk. <laughs> Stop talking because you're making <laughs> no sense. This, ladies and gentlemen, is what age is like when she's delirious from tiredness. Okay, I can do this. You can. Okay. We were out for dinner with our friends Sarah and Ben. Yes. And I realized that you've known Sarah for nearly 20 years. Yes. And we've known Ben for almost 10 years. Yes. Maybe 10 years on the nose. And I realized, so we, we've known each other for a long time. Actually, we were part of helping them get together. We were? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... Anyway, that's not the point of tonight's topic, so <laughs> maybe we could tell that later. Okay. So we've known them for almost 10 years, and we've shared lives together despite living in different countries. We do see each other once or maybe twice a year, and we've loved watching them grow in God and loved watching God grow in them. And so I commented to them last night that... Guys, we've we've shared life together for over 10 years. We've got lots of shared friends as well. And I commented on how I've seen them grow in the Lord. And yeah, also with great sadness, I've seen other people, that perhaps mutual friends of ours, not keep growing in God. I, either remaining stagnant or, or worse, stepped away from the Lord or regressed or now no longer walking with the Lord at all. And I got to thinking, like, why is it some people keep going with the Lord and some people don't? Like, especially like the people that we've, the people that I was thinking, and I have to be very, very careful that we're not in judgment here. And I have to check my heart that I'm not. But we've all had these same experiences. You know, we've all, especially in Toronto, seen revival seen the same miracles, encountered the glory of God, and yet some people are no longer walking with the Lord. So why do some people go on with the Lord and some people don't? Any thoughts on that? I would imagine, or I guess from from what I've observed, most of the people I think that don't seem to carry on with the Lord in some sort of visible relationship, there's been some sort of wounding or something that's happened that hasn't been dealt with. And as a result of that, there's been, you know, either bitterness or, or something that's that's grown up and that has been fostered instead of, um, you know, keeping clear accounts and, and right. that sort of thing. Jeff Dollar, was it last week? or It was a couple of weeks ago. It was the first message of Emony of the year. And then he spoke the message again for the whole body at, Grace Center, and he talked about this phenomenon where we can be offended at God. Yeah. A- an amazing message. Yeah. Super profound. But when you say that you see hurts happen, do you mean people get hurt at God? They Something doesn't pan out the way they want, or they get disappointed in God? Yeah. And that derails them? Or do you mean with people? I mean both. So sometimes it's we've laid something at God's feet, you know, that we've become offended, and so that's it, you know. Like like what? I'm out. Um, things didn't go the way we planned, you know, I'm not married yet. And I thought I would be, you know, I thought life would look like this by now, or I'm not living the dream or, you know, whatever the thing is. Right. Um, and we're holding God hostage about whatever that thing is. To perform our will. Yeah. And, and the truth is God loves the desires of our hearts, you know, and that's, so it's, it's not even... But often we blame God for things that aren't his fault at all, but we can't necessarily recognize that during that season. 
So, so those sort of things. And then also just people that, um, you know, we get offended with church leadership or, you know, whatever the thing is and, and foster that. And it becomes a, a reason to disconnect. I think that there is a fallacy in the church that we think that the, the key to longevity with God is an encounter with God. Now, I'm all for encounters. I absolutely am for all for encounters. But even as a young boy, it always amazed me that the Israelites had, you know, one of the most spectacular series of encounters with the Lord ever. Like their deliverance from Egypt, for example, the parting of the Red Sea, the great exodus. I mean, seeing all those amazing signs and wonders, pillars of smoke, pillars of fire. I mean, just signs, wonders everywhere. Right. And then next chapter, Moses goes to be with the Lord. The leader goes to be with the Lord. And by the time Moses comes back, they start <laughs> building false idols. And I'm like, how the heck does that happen? Right. And yet it's not that different from our own lives. Sure. We do it all the time. We just, it's not as obvious as a large golden calf. But I've seen people, I mean, we run a school, so we've seen this firsthand, but we've also, you and I have both done schools. You've done YWAM, I did Toronto. You go to school you see these amazing students have encounters with God, and then maybe 10 years later, you're wondering, oh, I wonder what's happened to so-and-so. And you look them up on Facebook, and you're like, uh, how did we get to here? Now, So it's a strange dynamic when you realize people who have been touched by God no longer want to walk with God. But I guess it's found all the way through Scripture as well. Sure it is. It's not that uncommon. But the other thing is, we know tons and tons of people that are still walking with the Lord and have, you know, amazing, dynamic, growing relationships from those same seasons. So let's talk about that then. So if, so I'm all for events. I I, I just think if we only live for events, that's dangerous, then we don't learn how to live between events. Right. Yep. So my question then is let's think about the people we have observed just who have rich, flourishing relationships with God over time. Mm-hmm. For example, I remember Bill Johnson, and uh, maybe it was Chris Valton when he was with us, he just said, you know, I run a school, I have learned from how many, I don't know how many years I've been running their school, from X number of years of seeing the students that burn the brightest don't necessarily burn the longest. Right. So he said, I stopped being impressed by the students who are like, oh, all these miracles, look at all these testimonies. He said, I found that the students who are just quiet and dutiful and get on with what they need to do, that five, six, seven years later, they have a rich, mature relationship with the Lord. And sometimes the people who were flashing the pans are not even walking with the Lord anymore. Right. So let me ask you this. In the lives of people who've got a rich history with God, what are the key ingredients of their relationship with God that you've seen deployed over years? There's probably a number of things. I think I think the people that I've observed, particularly from Toronto, are, are pretty tooled up to be able to deal with life in terms of um, walking through issues and uh, confrontations and that kind of stuff and being able to survive them without with, withdrawing. So give me some examples of what you mean by that. Um, I mean... You know, being part of a church is being part of a family and family has conflict that's part of it. Right. And so not in the in the moments of conflict, withdrawing and just upping and, you know, well, I'm going to find a new church or I'm just going to give up on church or, you know, whatever the thing is, but actually going, all right, I'm going to 
I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to believe the best. I'm also going to go and have a powerful conversation, you know, like all those kind of things that you're, where you're tooled up to be able to be part of a family and be life to other people. Well, it was like Dan said last week that we learn to disagree without divorce. Right. Where I can be connected to you even if I disagree with you. That's such a powerful life skill. Yeah. And I, you already talked about one of the reasons that we walk away from the Lord is being offended by him. So probably conversely, learning not to be offended with God is a key to growth. Yes. I. Although I wonder sometimes if people that are actually offended with God are able to recognize that's what it is. Or if they think they're offended with man, but they're actually offended with God. I, I wonder too, because presumably one of the most preposterous states we could find ourselves in is being aware that we're offended at God and assuming we're right. Well, don't we always assume we're right? But <laughs> but what I mean, to be aware of that, like, yes. hi, I'm God. Yeah. You're offended at me. Should we talk about that? I mean, who in their right mind is going to have that cognitive awareness that, oh, I'm offended with God. Surely he must be wrong. Why doesn't he see my point of view? Well, I think it's actually faulty theology. It's not so much that we're offended because we're trying to be offended. We're offended because we think God is the author of our pain. So I think it's because we don't actually understand him, understand his heart for us, understand how he works, understand things like what the enemy's responsible for and what God's responsible for in terms of the things that happen in our lives. Then we lay things at God's at at his feet that actually have nothing to do with him, and we're mad. Jeff has this great line where he says, "Most of us follow God up until the point that His will contradicts our will." Yeah, and maturity. I think I I look at people. I think it was Derek Prince who said, I, "I've never trusted a man who doesn't walk with a limp." Mm. Like I think all of us go through a season where we have something happen in life that we can't reconcile with the theology we currently have. Mm-hmm. And yet we, are, if we're going to go on with God, we have to say, even though I don't understand, I still trust you. Yeah. And when we get over that hurdle, we might not get an understanding of it, but we've reconciled in our heart. Okay, God, this I'm filing this away in mystery. I, I'm choosing to believe you're still good, even though my circumstances might not have suggested that. And I'm and I'm banking that that's all going to come clearer as I continue to walk with you. Mm-hmm. When I, you know, when I see people who've got longevity in their relationship with God, I guarantee you that's happened to them one or more times. Yeah. And you, and you listen to them, and you say, "Hey, help me understand your process. How did you keep your heart right with that?" And I, I think that was one of the things that most attracted to me about you, babe. I remember listening to your testimony uh, and I'm just thinking, how are you so radiant? Like all of the things that have happened to you, why are you not broken? At best, why are you not crawling across the finish line? But here you were in another country from that pain that you'd grown up with. And I, I remember just thinking, well, how are you so majestic? How are you so radiant? How are you so overflowing with peace and with joy? And you're not bitter, you're not sarcastic, you're not caustic. Yeah. How have you done that? And it you know, was so attractive. I was just like, I need to get inside your orbit to work out. And of course, it's everything you're talking about now, the, the gift of forgiveness, choosing God even when it doesn't make sense. I think, too, God placed me in a family. You know, Scripture says he places the lonely in families. God placed me in a family in Toronto, and I let them be family. And even though family was a scary word for me, family became a healing word for me. Mm. You know, so, but I think partially, like when you say, what are some of the 
things that help or contribute towards longevity, I would say teachableness and letting other people love you, um, call you on your stuff, help you grow. Those are all things that will actually make it so that your relationship with the Lord continues to grow. It doesn't become a stagnant thing that becomes somehow boring because it feels, feels the same as it did last year. We've, we've talked about this before on the podcast and I, I want to make sure I say this right, but without a doubt, Everybody that I know who's encountered calamity that they haven't bounced back from, the one thing they all have in common is in previous seasons of their life, they stopped going to church. So I'm not saying that everybody who stopped going to church has ended up in calamity. Okay. But everybody that I've personally been involved in where their life has been derailed, either morally um, or in their relationship with God or... You know, some level of crisis. Right, financially, whatever. All of them mm-hmm. at one point stopped going to church. Yeah. And I remember asking the Lord about that, like, like, whoa. So whenever I see people step away from the church, I, I'm always quick to rush to them and say, hey, I, I know where this ends. And right now, it probably doesn't look like it. Right now, it's just like, oh my gosh, Sundays to myself, this is amazing. And actually, I can still have a relationship with God. And, you know, oh my gosh. And go is, to nice coffee stores. Yeah, and, and, you know, what you're experiencing right now is spring break. Like, if you quit your job for the first week or so, it would be like, awesome. Like, this is amazing. I don't have to get up in the morning. I have to, you, would, you would love it. Yeah. But then sooner or later, your world would crumble because you need to go to work in order to derive an income. Now, I'm not trying to stretch that analogy too far with, with church, but I've just, every time, just every time I've seen people make a deliberate decision to stop going to church, I I rush to them and just say, guys, can I encourage you that no good thing is going to come from this? Can I read you a passage? Yes. Ephesians 4, verse 11 says this. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So here's what's crazy about that is... Where you get equipped to do God's work and where you are built up and where you reach maturity is only in the church. Yeah. So scripture is really clear. If you remove yourself from the church is what happens is you, you won't be equipped to do God's work, nor will you be built up. You don't notice not being built up until a period of time has passed. Right. Right. So I've got friends who go to the gym every day, like our neighbor Britt is in the gym all the day and he looks like it. If he skipped gym for a day, nobody would notice. I mean, he, he might notice, but I, I wouldn't notice. But if he stops going to the gym for a couple of months, I'm going to notice. And I think it's the same thing where, you know, Paul goes on in verse 13. He says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. I don't know a better definition of longevity than being mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Mm -hmm. But Paul is saying, if you want maturity, you need to stay in the church. Yeah. Again, there's no plan B. Right. Very next verse, his contrast is, then we will no longer be immature like children. Well, I mean, even finish that. It says, 
Uh, we won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching, and we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. That's the thing, is when you're not part of the church, and you're you're not in church, you're not hearing the word as part of a body, you're not digesting it all together, all that kind of stuff, it leaves you open to strange winds of doctrine and that kind of stuff. And you, you don't even realize until you're halfway down the lake that you're being blown by a wind that, that wasn't life. Right. And I think that's the thing where we've, we've come across people who have literally shipwrecked their life. And once upon a time, they were godly people. They were devoted followers of Jesus. Like in some cases, I'm talking about people who are missionaries or pastors or people who, you know, you just look at and just think, oh my gosh, you're totally going after God. And now they're like, eh, I'm not even sure Jesus is the way to God. I'm not even sure the Bible is inerrant. And you're just like, well, uh, 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 you know, how did you get to that place? Um, and I I trace it back to what you're saying, you know, offense, but primarily removing themselves from church, thinking I, I don't need to be in the church. Well, and usually it's because of some sort of hurt, which is not something that typically we recognize until way later on, you know, mm -hmm. like, oh, actually I said I left the church because, oh, it felt like life to me and I felt like God was speaking to me about it and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, usually when those people come back, they realize they left out of offense. And um, it, sometimes it takes a while for us to recognize what was actually happening in our own hearts. I mean, that's not that unusual. You think about just in normal day situations, I often am slow to catch up with what's going on in my own heart. Right. So. Lyle Phillips, our good friend, Lyle and Allison Pastor, Legacy Nashville, on Twitter a while back, Lyle wrote this. He said, when I became a pastor, I was not prepared to watch people that I love walk away from God. It's by far the hardest thing about the job. It is by far the hardest thing. And I was reading uh, around that time when he tweeted that third John chapter one, verse four, he says, this, again, this father in the faith is saying, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And that's true. Nothing gives me greater joy than to hear of those who are continuing to walk with God. Yeah. And yeah, at the same time, nothing gives me greater sorrow than hearing the opposite. Well, it's the thing we've cried over the most in the last nine years. So hard. So longevity. Yeah. Guys, if you're listening to this, we want to see you run a long, faithful walk with God. And so, how do we summarize this, babe? What, Find a body of believers. Devote yourself to them. Yeah. And recognize you're not going to find a perfect church with perfect leaders, but ask the Lord to help you find a healthy place where you can grow and you can become part of a family. Keep your heart free free of offense Yeah, from both people and God. Yep. Develop faithfulness. Yep. I mean, that's longevity in practice is you being faithful. And obey God, I think. Yeah, stay teachable. And be obedient. Yeah. There's our list. There you go. That's longevity. Mm -hmm. I've got a brilliant listener's question. I've never been asked this before, and I think you're going to have tremendous insight. You ready? Okay. Pressure. Yeah, I'm ready. This is from Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Alan and AJ. I'm listening to your podcast and loving it. <gasps> that's good. Thank you, Ellie. Sissy Pfeiffer recommended it. I'm so glad she did. Thank you, Sissy. The podcast has really inspired me, and I'm thinking and praying of doing one on my own. What would be some advice for someone thinking about starting their own podcast? Well, I, I feel funny answering it because really you do all the legwork 
and I just stand here and or sit here rather and talk for a bit. Right, but the, I mean, I think that what you just said there sums up the two sides of it. Is yeah. all the legwork in the world won't be good if you don't have something worth saying. Well, that's true. And having something worth saying is almost pointless if you don't do the legwork to make it sound good. Right. So there's there's two things. Have a life-giving message. And make it interesting to listen to. And we've struggled with that, haven't we? Because we're like, yes. oh my gosh, does, why would anybody want to listen to us talk? Yes, I was shocked anybody wanted to. You have to push <laughs> that idea away from you. Because that's the biggest lie of the enemy that says you don't have a message worth hearing. Right. I, I guess my encouragement would be is find podcasts you like listening to and then work out what is it about it that you like listening to. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite podcasts is a podcast called ATP, Accidental Tech Podcast. Three nerds who get together every week and talk. When you listen to it, babe, you're like, what are you listening to? I hate this. Turn it off. Well, the tones of their voices don't really work for me. And you're just not interested in the content. No. So, well, I mean, most of it sounds like they might as well be speaking German. I have no idea. But what I love about them Mm. is it feels like I'm eavesdropping to people I would normally have never access to. And they're talking about something that interests me. Mm. And so their podcast inspired our podcast in that... uh, in that we designed this to be the kind of conversation you would have if you were having dinner. Like, literally, we the conversation we just had tonight about longevity is pretty much the conversation we had last night with Ben and Sarah. That's the first thing. Find a message and then do a little bit of research. I'll put some links in the show notes to some people that really helped me about, you know, buying equipment. And you don't have to break the bank for it. But putting a little bit of effort in learning how to capture what you're saying so it sounds good... Because you might have a brilliant message, but our ears are very, very picky. We're used to listening to really good quality, well-recorded stuff. And when you have to listen to badly recorded stuff, no matter how good the message, nobody's going to want to cross that hurdle. Yeah. I think too, though, babe, when you say put in a little bit of effort, uh, you don't put in a little bit of effort. You put in a lot of effort. So if you think about every podcast that we record probably is about seven hours worth of your effort. Between, I don't think it's that much. Sure it is, babe. It's like an hour of prep beforehand while I'm doing food and doing stuff with the kids. Maybe half an hour. Okay. And then we record for about an hour. Nice. And then you do all the show notes, all the editing, all that stuff. That's another three or four hours afterwards. Yeah, maybe three hours. So maybe four and a half hours. At a minimum. Right. Yeah. So, so I would say like have an idea of how often you want to do this and a realistic amount of time that it's going to take because it takes you four and a half hours with logic and all those kind of things. But you're, those are programs that you're all familiar with. Logic is a piece of software rather than, rather than a mental approach. Okay. Yeah. Logic is a piece of software that he used to, <laughs> to edit. But all I'm saying is, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's not as easy as it sounds on one level. Like I, I would say go for it, but just be aware of the time commitment going in as well. I also think what, we didn't discover this until we decided to do it. Yeah. But I was doing some research and there's a brilliant guy, um, Sean McCabe, who has a website called seanwest.com. I'll put a link to that. And there's a guy, part of his network called The Podcast Dude, who's very, very helpful. If you want to learn the behind the scenes of how to do a podcast, it's an excellent podcast. But he was saying, if you're going to start something, make a weekly commitment to it because people's lives run in weekly commitments. Yes. And if you're just going to do a podcast once every now and then, you know, record an episode when you feel like it, 
you will not build traction because nobody's going to commit to something that you're not committed to doing. And I think part of the traction that we have is every Monday, pretty much, come rain or shine, there is something. And it's there have been a few times in the last couple of years where it hasn't been there because we were sick or we're traveling or whatever. But we try and think ahead with that. And we've committed to doing a weekly podcast so that when we show up each week, our listeners show up each week. Right. Um, so that's something to think about too. But there's there's so much material on, on the web about doing podcasts. I'll put a couple of starter articles for you um, to read in your podcast. And again, if you've got more questions, Ellie, be more than happy to answer them. You can just email us via our website. Speaking of our website, if you would like the show notes, you can go to alanandaj.com slash... 136. Nice. That's the thing. If you were ever listening to any of our episodes, if you always go to alanandaj.com slash and put in the episode number, you'll always get the show notes for that episode. And if you've just recently started listening to our podcast, Alan is spelled A-L-Y-N. It's a Welsh spelling that I'm actually quite grateful because it means I can always get a unique username on social media platforms. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That's the that's the main reason they use that spelling, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, my parents were so... Just ahead of the time. Yeah, they had so much I foresight. Mean, just they amazing. Saw that if you would like to ask us a question that you would like us to answer on air, again, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. And just like Ellie discovered our podcast by her friend Sissy telling her about it, it would do us a tremendous favor if you would not only recommend our podcast to people you think that might like to listen to, but if you would leave us a review go to alanandaj.com slash review and it will take you automatically to the iTunes page where you could leave a review. It is amazing to me that every time we ask for a review, we always get reviews. And it is hugely helpful in letting other people know about our podcast on the iTunes network. Should I tell them how to spell AJ as well? Or do you think it's probably okay? I mean, I have gotten some cards with it spelled A-J-A-Y. But, you know, just to clarify, it's just two initials. (laughs) And there's no silent P. There's no silent P. There's no silent B. (laughs) Very funny. All right, you guys are wonderful. Thanks for tuning in this week. We will be back next week with more of the same. Have a great week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses They talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone Okay, so what is it you want to talk about? I want to talk about how we get injured. Alright. How are the different ways you get injured? So this is how we get injured. If something is metal... Yeah. If you touch it, you'll be injured, and then you die. And then after that, see God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and nobody else. Oh, you just see those guys? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about rescue bots. What's your favorite rescue bot? Heatwave and um, High Tide and Optimus and Chase and Blades and Bordle and Selvage and Bull and Bumblebee and nobody else. Oh, wow. Is there anything else you want to talk about in the podcast? Yes. Well, um, Jonah and the Big Fish. Tell me about Jonah and the Big Fish. I haven't heard that story. So, Jesus talked to Jonah and then he... What did Jesus say to Jonah? He said, go to Nineveh, but I didn't, so... Wait, he, wait, wait, but why didn't Jonah go to Nineveh? I don't know. Oh, he didn't go. So, he sent a big fish to eat him for three days and three nights. So Jonah was inside the big fish for three days and three nights? Yeah, and then he spit him out. The fish spat Jonah out onto the ground? Like, bleh. Wow. And then what happened? And then he jumped back in the water. Uh-huh. And then he eat fishes. Wow. Because when he's in the water, he has that big, big chunk of kryptonite, and then... He can swim in the water, and then his head turns green to red, to mad, to sad, to angry, to happy. I I don't remember that exact version in the Bible. Are you reading from the message? No, I'm reading a different book. Oh, a different book. Yes. And then did Jonah go and speak to Nineveh? Yes. And what did he say to them? Um, His disciples were angry, so... He told them, don't be angry, and you have to stop, and then, or else um, Jesus will broke your bones, so do not. So Jonah said to them, you've got to stop being angry? Yes. And if you don't, Jesus is going to break your city? Yes. And and what, did they stop being angry? Yes. It's a great story. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast.